Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, friends and foes, adversaries and allies, whoever you are, wherever you're at, welcome to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. <laughs> and I'm Father Travis Craig. That was pretty good. Did you have that planned for a little bit there? No, just kind Hold of, we always go with the same intro, like, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome aboard. Thank you. Uh, little, mix it up. We did. That was good. Yeah, yeah. Welcome. Welcome back. Here we are. We are here. And, you know, Father Travis, it's always good to be with you, but... Um, as great as this priestly fraternity is tomorrow, we're going to see quite a bit of priestly fraternity. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, which is a beautiful gathering, but also a difficult gathering. Mm-hmm. Um, we just recently lost in this Sioux City Diocese, Father Jeff Sleishman, a uh, 56-year-old priest uh, who had a very courageous battle with cancer. Uh, it kind of runs genetically in his family, unfortunately, and, mm-hmm. and he certainly caught uh, his fair share of the weight of the cross with his cancer rounds. And uh, the bishop and many priests will be gathered tomorrow for his funeral, and yeah. we'll be traveling there together. And uh, it's it's always comforting to to chant the divine office together as a presbyterate, praying for our departed brother and hoping that he is with the Lord in reigning in heaven, interceding for all of us mm-hmm. uh, as a permanent intercessor. Um, but it's, it is a somber time, you know. Father Jeff was um, ordained in two thousand. That was the very first ordination I ever went to. Is that right, Father Jeff's? Yes, wow. that, I was. Was he by himself at that ordination? He was. He didn't have any classmates that particular summer ordained with him. Um, but I had been in seminary just for six months at that point, wow. and that was the very first ordination I saw. The very first ordination, and I kind of served as a seminarian. Mm. Um, it was very moving. I'll, I'll mm. never forget that. The first one you've ever seen, and kind of the witness of a, of a man laying down his life to become a priest of Jesus Christ. So yeah, um, may he rest in peace. Yeah, I I had a wonderful summer with Father Jeff. Um, not the whole summer, but when I taught Totus Tuus the first time, uh, I was assigned in, it was this really great, so people, if anybody's listening remembering that summer of Totus Tuus, um, a, a parish had to drop out at the last minute, so they sent two of us teams to Larchwood, Iowa. And if anybody knows Larchwood, Iowa, it's not that big. Sure. And it did not need two full totus to his teams to manage their program. So we had way too much fun sure. with these two teams in Larchwood because <laughs> we had just all this time to hang out. And like we made up completely new skits and new songs and all this stuff. Meanwhile, there was a team in Sioux city that had, I think more students than like was actually um, suggested for just one team. So we're like posting on the like group Facebook page, all these awesome things we're doing. And they're just like actually struggling. Sure. <laughs> but father Jeff was the pastor in Larchwood um, one of my favorite things that he did was it was just like total like bachelor style of of hosting. So he just put all of the food and snacks we we stayed in his rectory with him. All the food and snacks we'd need for the entire week were just on the kitchen table. So there was like no need to find anything in a cupboard. Sure. It was just like get here's the stuff. Tons of snacks. A week long buffet. You just like <laughs> like a big giant double package of oatmeal cream pies. Just like bam. Okay. Like what do you? They're just like and like you'd be like oh I need a spoon for this oh. Oh, there's just spoons on the table too. Everything was ready. But that summer he moved assignments to Jefferson, mm. um, which I think where he was until he got sick, right? Right. So we had a couple more weeks at different parishes, and then we were actually assigned to Jefferson as well. Mm. So he didn't know anybody in Jefferson but us four random college students who were there. So that was the first And more year. junk food. <laughs> and more junk food. <laughs> that was the first year that Jefferson had had totus to us. 
So it was just a really neat time to bond with him as he was. So his the weekend we got there was his first mass in the parish. Oh wow! Um, and we also spoke for Totus too. So it was just a good time to. Um, he loved uh, ministry to the young people, and he would preach these wonderful homilies with just like outrageous props to the to the children at like a Totus Tuus mass. Mm. One was using um, invisible Kool Aid, oh, which was interesting talking yeah. about the Eucharist and stuff. But okay, yeah, wonderful priest. Well, yeah, God rest him, uh, his soul, and we hope he's interceding for all of us, and our sympathies go out to all of his family members and friends, all the priests of his Jesu Caritas group, mm-hmm. his priestly support group that he would have met with monthly, just to pray together and support each other in their walk of life and in their walk of priesthood. So our sympathies and condolences go out to all of them. Um, Father Travis, you know, we often meet people who are, are kind of struggling with their faith, looking for ways to go deeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, we often, especially like at weddings and funerals, maybe class reunions, we meet people who are very disenfranchised from any practice of, of any faith or any experience of a parish. And I, I think there's, there's often um, some hesitancy, maybe some resistance, maybe some uh, disagreements with church teachings or, or uh, past negative experiences with people in a, in a particular church. And we can get into those topics in another issue or another addition for future episodes, but many of these uh, many of these folks are, I think, questioning. Well, even if I wanted to come back, huh? Yeah. Even if it might seem appealing, even if you could persuade me, or if there was a moment of grace that just kind of drew me back in, there's quite a bit of fear because I don't think so many of them know how. Yeah. Well, and especially, heck, not even people who've been away from the church for that long. So many. Uh, Kids and their families just after COVID, mm-hmm. they stopped going to mass with the with the shutdowns for those couple months, right? And then never picked it back up. So they've they've and they tell me they've developed a habit of not coming to mass, right? So they, it's the same question. They don't even know how to step back into that habit, right? Um, if it's been years or even just a year now or a few months, right? So I think it'd be good if we kind of speak into this and just help any of our listeners. Um, if you're not kind of a regular churchgoer. If you're, if you're listening to us, but you don't really know how to get back into the habit, uh, or if you just want to go to church, but you just feel like you're going to be a hypocrite, maybe you know there's certain people who have been away for so long that they've gone to a wedding or a funeral and they realize since 2011, there's an updated translation uh-huh. of the English Missal. And so there's like a few different word changes here or there that trips them up and that makes them feel more awkward and self-conscious. So I think we could speak to that or to any of our listeners who have family members and friends who could benefit from these points. Uh, you know, if you are a practicing Catholic, but you know people that need to be invited back and they don't really know how, or you don't know how to guide them, hopefully we can address that today yeah. in this episode. One principle I'd love to start with that's kind of been on my mind a lot. People will often say how judged they feel if they've been away from church for a long time, or if something's happened in their life that's made them estranged from the church, maybe a, a marriage kind of situation or something like that, divorce or remarriage. Um, They'll often say how judged they feel. Now, perhaps some parishes do have very judgmental people. We can all be judgmental. I've been more and more convinced that the judgment we feel is coming from our own conscience. Right. Like, you feel guilty, so you think other people are judging you. Right. That's the case every time. Right. So in some ways, it's like, just stop putting it on the other people and maybe look look inward. Where is the guilt coming from? Now, is it is it kind of like an unfair shame or guilt that's being being kind of maybe projected on us by, by a community could be. 
Um, but if we're feeling that guilt, it, it might be because we've, we've done something wrong. We feel bad for not being at mass for years. Sure. Um, or we feel like we want to be somewhere else in our life where we're not in our relationship with God. Right. Yeah, I, I have yet to find a an usher or a greeter at the door with an attendance record, you know, like, oh, have just a, a wagging finger. Just haven't seen you since you. 2007. Right. You have to sit in the back. Right. Yeah. We gave up your pew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one does that. No. Yeah. If anything, I think, you know, authentic Christians who are striving for holiness would look at somebody and say, well, welcome back. Absolutely. You know, that's yeah. that's what the Christian message to, is supposed and, to be. And for from our brother priest, because all of us can't always talk to you through these means. If you're out there listening right now and you do feel in that place, all of us are so excited to welcome you back. And there is no judgment on our part. There's so many different things that lead to um, estrangement from the church. Yeah. Does Jesus not say how much rejoicing there is in heaven by the angels over the repentance of one sinner? Right. right. I mean, if, if heaven rejoices, how much, you know, sh- should we be participating in that as a parish community? Um, we really are interested in the salvation of souls, the building up of your life of faith, and your presence that enriches our local parish. Right. So welcome back. Welcome back. And, you know, along with coming back to Mass, coming back to confession is, is always tied up in there. And there's this fear that just like, well, I wouldn't even know what the responses are at Mass. Oh, I have no idea how to even go to confession again. We would love to do nothing more than walk you through that. Yes, believe uh, it or not. Same with mass. Yeah. yeah, believe it or not, your local priest is an expert on how to go to confession. So, <laughs> yeah. so just entrust yourself to his guidance. Just explain, you know, hey, Father, it's been ten years, five years, fifteen years, whatever it's been. I don't even remember how to do this. Can you walk me through it? Sure. It's called in the name of the Father, the Son, of the Holy right. Spirit. Now tell me how long it's been. <laughs> hey, how long has it been? Oh, it's been that long. Hey, welcome back. Wonderful. What you know? What would you like to confess today? Yeah. And to all of our listeners, the point in declaring how long it's been since your last confession isn't to put a guilt trip on you, the penitent. It's actually just to inform the priest so he has kind of a sense of where you're at, perhaps in your spiritual journey, or, yeah. or perhaps maybe the, um, the depth and the magnitude that your examination of conscience could entail. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's been five days versus 15 years, uh, that's going to help guide the priest in helping you examine your conscience. Yeah, he doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. And so far, it's not like he's, he's like, oh, wow, okay, that's a long time. No, it's just, okay, well, where does the Lord want to meet you in this now? Yeah. yeah. And actually, you know, when someone comes in and it's been a really, really long time, uh, I kind of get excited about that. Oh, absolutely. Because I'm, I'm fascinated to know, okay, what, where has the grace been stirring in you to return? Right. You know, I get a front row seat of that conversion that's unfolding in front of my eyes. I'm so glad you just said that there, the the grace that's stirring in you. This goes back to St. Augustine, where he talks about God's grace working in our lives. So I think a lot of us feel, when we when we are far from God or we feel far from God, like he's like a hundred miles, a thousand miles away, and we have to do a lot to like work our way up to being back in a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And so that might even be that barrier to get us back to inside the church or back to a regular experience of Sunday worship at mass or back to confession or having our children baptized if that hasn't happened. But the desire, the stirring, those thoughts, those feelings to return is already God working in our hearts. Mm -hmm. That's what Augustine talks about. Like the desire to love God is already God working in our hearts. And I think that can take a lot of pressure off. Right. We don't have to just try really hard. Um, Because if we, if we do that, then we're like, I, there's no way I could do that on my own. Mm -hmm. And then we just kind of quit. Right. So for any of our listeners or, or for if you're uh, 
seeking to come back to the church or if you're trying to encourage someone to come back to the church, confession's a real key first step. And if someone doesn't feel ready for that, well, they can always come to Sunday Mass. There's nothing wrong with getting back in terms of the rhythm of, of Sunday worship, uh, seeing your fellow parishioners, um, just having that rhythm of life once again to praise God and to, to get into a habit of prayer. We do recommend before returning to communion to get back to confession, uh, just to get in uh, not only a state of grace, um, but also just to humbly acknowledge where has my life gone and as I'm seeking full communion with the church again and full communion with Jesus and his sacraments, I want to humbly seek his mercy first um, before I seek him in his sacramental presence of, of the you know consecrated bread and wine. Um, and you might say, well, how do you do that? Like, Father, okay, well, if, I, if I'm supposed to go to Mass but not go to communion, how do I do that? Well, you can always stay in your pew. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can always come up and maybe just cross your arms in front of your chest indicating to the priest or the Eucharistic Extraordinary Minister of Holy Communion that you would just perhaps like a blessing or that you're not receiving that day. We're not going to get into the theology about blessings, you know, in the sacred liturgy, but that's for another topic. Anyways, uh, you could just indicate by crossing yourself that you're not receiving that day. And there's lots of people who don't receive every Sunday for a variety of reasons. Uh, But you can always stay in your pew. um, And some might feel really judged by that. They might feel really ostracized by that. Um, but it's it's okay for you to feel empowered to uh, to go at your own speed, to enter back into the rhythm of parish life and, and the rhythm of worship by what you feel like you can handle. Uh, we certainly want to encourage you to, to keep holy this Sabbath and to come be part of your local parish community to build them up and to let them build you up as well. Um, but we also recognize that this has to come at a place of freedom, Mm-hmm. And you have to feel free uh, to step back into the church, particularly if there's been a, a really past negative experience that might have even caused you some trauma. Um, you know, there's some people that they they can't bring themselves to step back into the church since the funeral of one of their loved ones, Absolutely. because the the memories are just so raw and the grieving is continuing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so please know that we understand that. Uh, we trust that your local parish pastor and staff understands your needs. Um, and you might even want to just approach the, the pastor or, or call a staff member and say, hey, is there just someone I'm talking, can I talk to someone on staff? Is there a deacon or father, can I talk to you? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get back into this. I could use a little spiritual guidance. Uh, I could use a little spiritual support. I could use someone to walk with me, you know, that might be just sitting on the RCIA classes or might be just finding a, a catechist in the parish who could assist you. Um, or maybe it's just, you know, just trying to get back in the rhythm of your own uh, sacramental and, and worship life. Yeah. And I think it's funny. I'm so glad you said that a few things have come to mind. The, the, uh, one of the really big things though, is that people sometimes act as if we don't, um, like it's putting us off asking to meet with us and talk to us. Right. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, literally I would want to do nothing more as a priest besides celebrating the sacraments than talking to you who feel outcast and far away from the faith and helping you and accompanying you to come, come back to the faith. That's, that's like what, what we're about. That's what we do. Um, the other thing, I'm so glad you mentioned that about, um, coming to communion because I found that can be this weird second level of feeling outcast Mm -hmm. because the weird U S like kind of experience that's developed not that long ago is like you must receive Holy communion when you come to mass. So I've talked to students who struggle with this where they know they're at a place in their life and their spiritual journey and struggle where if they're maybe struggling with sin 
and they're trying to overcome that and they know I, I probably should not go receive communion today because of some some sin that's been maybe I skipped mass intentionally or struggling with different sin but because of the weird pressure that's sort of placed on them as a contemporary Anglo-Catholic, they, they feel like they have to. So then they'll come back and they'll confess, well, then I, you know, I received communion when I shouldn't have. Now, a lot of people will see um, Latinos in the U.S. and they see them at Mass and they say, well, why don't people receive communion? And I say often, I said, because they're good Catholics. Mm-hmm. Because they know they've skipped Mass on Sunday. They know that they're not in a place... Uh, that their marriage is not in a place um, of communion with the church, mm-hmm. that they have are married outside of the church, that they are divorced and remarried, whatever it might be. But there's a freedom there, like you said, to not feeling that extra level of judgment of, oh, somebody's going to see me. Number one, if you cross your arms in the line for communion, no one actually sees you besides the priest. Mm-hmm. Everybody's just in the, in, the, in the mode of going through communion line. And if you stay seated, I mean, people who are non-Catholic Christians who come to Mass with their family members do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Again, that feeling of judgment is often coming for our conscience, not from actually the other people who are there. Right. Um, so just feel the freedom that if that's where you find yourself, if that's the baby step that it needs to take of just coming back to mass, mm-hmm. just coming back into the church. You know, I was talking to somebody recently and they had been away from the church for a while, came back for a funeral. And in that context, they said to me, you know, like, this feels like home. This is home. I think pay attention to that. There's a part in us that there's a, a part in our heart. I think that really wants to feel rooted, that wants something deeper. And as the, our experience of the secular world becomes more and more and more and more detached and we don't have that rootedness, we want something deeper. And that rootedness that our faith gives us, it's still there somewhere. So to kind of look at that and tap into that can be really beautiful and helpful. Right. Um, I, I do want to give just one recommendation. If someone is looking for a resource to say, you know, I've been so far away from the church, I know I should get back involved with it. Um, but I don't know that I, I don't know that I really remember my catechism growing up. Uh-huh. I don't know if I really know or understand the church's teachings, and I don't know where to turn. One simple uh, there's there's multiple resources. Uh, I mean, there, there's like UCAT, which is kind of a, a condensed version of the um, of the catechism. But one of the things that I often recommend for people is Michael Pennock's um, the Seekers Catechism. Oh, it's the basics of catechism. I've used this in prison ministry. I've used this with teenagers thinking about converting. It's a small little overview of Catholicism, um, kind of a, a kind of a, a quick and ready version of the Catechism, if you will, um, which kind of gives the basics um, and allows you to look things up according to topic, maybe according to sacraments, according to prayer, or whatever. It gives you the basics without having this overwhelming experience where you feel like you're just traipsing through Vatican documents. Yes. You know what? Likewise, that's probably great for a, a condensed experience. So many people have received um, so much formation from Catholic YouTube right now, um, and not in a flippant way. I mean, like the smart Catholic minds and voices that are on YouTube right now. Bishop Barron, who is kind of the who led the charge for that. Father Mike Schmitz, who is making these like really concise little seven minute videos frequently through at, Ascension Presents. Through Ascension Presents, and then yeah. all of the other Ascension videos that are that mm-hmm. are on there as well. There's some of the CFR friars who are on there, a few different Catholic speakers. Matt Frads, uh, Pints of Aquinas, who's bringing all these different, again, smart Catholic voices. When I've, I've heard recently some different people who've experienced conversion um, back, maybe a reversion back to the faith or a conversion to the faith, they had never heard the Catholic faith spoken of in such a kind of an intelligent, a smart, contemporary way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's just some really high-quality um, 
content being produced either on podcast or on YouTube and different medias like that right now mm-hmm. um, that, that are, that are very accessible. Um, so if you can't step into the church yet, if that's like st- still a really big um, uh, obstacle that's there, there's, there's these wonderful um, resources to step into first, maybe the reading, if that's your thing, right. um, the podcast kind of world, you're already listening to this one. So mm-hmm. at least you got this. Um, but those, those, some of the, a little bit with a little bit more meat and just like looking at those different topical um, shows and episodes. Right. Right. Good suggestion. So again, to one of our listeners who are thinking of coming back, but they're just really uncertain on how to return. Um, just, you know, take these things to prayer. You don't have to make a major decision today, but take these things to prayer. You're certainly welcome back on Sundays. You're welcome back in the confessional and just explaining to the priest, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of returning here. Take me by the hand, walk me through this. Uh, maybe father, give me a, a little examination of confession or examination of conscience guy that I can come back and maybe in a week after I process this a little bit more or just go up to someone at mass, maybe a deacon, maybe a greeter, uh, maybe father himself and just say, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of looking for my way back. Is there someone here who can accompany me? Um, hopefully you're, you're met with a, a, a greeting and, and a warm smiling face and someone who really wants to embrace you and say, welcome home. Absolutely. Um, and we'll keep unpacking more of these topics in future episodes um, but if someone just doesn't know how to go back, uh, just take these things to heart and just know that we're, we're willing to walk with you and it's just one step at a time. Absolutely. I was just thinking too, last thought is the music's rolling. Oh yeah. Roll the music. Okay. Um, come back to the church. They're always open. If that's the first step, just come back and pray. Sure. But you're always welcome. Yeah. Sit there and pray. Connect with Jesus. Good first step. See you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.